0: Welcome back to Embedded Insiders. I am Laura Dolan, technology editor with Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with Brandon Lewis, editor-in-chief of Embedded Computing Design, Rich Nass, our executive vice president of Open Systems Media, and Alex Paltz, who is our power editor. And he recently uh, spoke to a company um, who was applying their Six Sigma principles to uh, simulation and how it increases reliability in the industry. Um, Alex, can you elaborate a little bit?
1: Yes. Um, well, you know, the whole uh, there's actually a movement called the uh, Six Sigma E. Um, it's Sigma ET. I'm sorry. It's Six Sigma ET. It was introduced in 2009 and it was it's a methodology for uh, simulation and for improving uh, reliability and improving production yields and the like. And over these 10 years, they've added to it and they've modified it and they've expanded its capabilities. And that's the conversation that I had with uh, Chris Aldum from uh, future facilities, because they're celebrating it and they've released a new interactive history of six Sigma ET. And they really want to promote the uh, philosophies behind not just thermal uh, simulation, but how that relates to six Sigma and improving uh production and yields in device performance.
2: Yeah, hold on. Let's take a step back here. When I when I think of 6 sigma, I think of, you know, the term 6 sigma. I think of I'm probably thinking of the bigger umbrella of, you know, business and manufacturing process improvement, uh, you know, like GE and BMW. You know, huge Fortune 500 companies applying the, these principles to their business operations and manufacturing operations. Is this one and the same, and it it's just uh, sort of uh, tweaked for, you know, the electrical engineering design community?
1: It's a program that enables you to improve your processes, so that's why they threw it in. So six, six the, calling their um, this solution – Six Sigma ET, it's, yeah, it's more than just um, a philosophy. This is actually a direct application of thermal management software. So, for example, one of the new things they've put in it is they have a neutral uh, file format now. So So you can exchange thermal models between various software tools. You follow me? So, they could, All of the things that they're doing with this product Six Sigma ET, it contributes to Six Sigma, but it's not really related to Six Sigma, the philosophy in that sense.
3: As the downer in the group, uh, it sounds like we've taken what we've been doing for Six Sigma for many, many years and added a marketing spin to it. Um, I mean, is, uh, is that fair?
1: Well, I, w- I wouldn't say so much a marketing spin, but uh, but definitely... Commoditizing it and productizing it because, I mean, the ability to exchange thermal uh, files, for example, or importing uh, CAD models, um, that helps designers. So in this case, they're, they're talking about thermal simulation and this uh, thermal simulation solution. And it's related to Six Sigma, but no, it's not. Six Sigma. So I would say it's more that they're trying to catch some shine off of Six Sigma by labeling yeah. the solution Six Sigma. <laughs> that's,
2: what I, that, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say it sounds more like the marketing spin for the uh, thermal simulation uh, tool by pulling the Six Sigma uh, branding and messaging into it.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, they could have probably called this product um, something completely different, and it would still be a good thermal management tool. Um, solution uh, and it would uh, allow us to get it past Rich without him making that comment which he's a very good comment which (laughs) I have to admit Um, you're
2: a little salty today (laughs) well why why don't we uh, take a look and see what uh, the people at future simulations have to say um, about Six Sigma ET and uh, how it's really helping people in the uh, design community overcome some of their thermal management issues
0: yes let's give it a listen
1: Today, I've got Chris Aldum. He's with uh, Future Facilities. Welcome to the show, Chris. How you doing?
3: Hi, Alex. I'm doing well.
1: That's really good to hear. Well, you know, you've been on the show before, and uh, we've had a chance to chat about things. But uh, today, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the whole issue of test, measurement, uh, and simulation, because it's really becoming uh, more important to make sure your designs are working properly. I mean, well, I mean, they always used to, but it's becoming even more critical now, wouldn't you say?
3: I, I would indeed. I mean in in the old days, uh if I can say such a thing, you know, there you know, the be huge <laughs> margins that people allowed for when when building their design and and in, in testing it in in simulating or, or prototyping. Um uh but nowadays the the cost drivers that are there uh, just mean that that people can't allow those margins anymore. They're they're working at the edge. You know, a device has to just work because if it's working well within possible margins or possible uh, limits, it almost certainly costs too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. Or it's time to move those margins and uh, upsell the additional functionality, right?
3: Yes, yes. Then then make them more powerful uh, in in that way.
1: Well, I mean, and and well, it goes into all of those directions, though, doesn't it? When you you know, when you think about it, Chris, the the test and measurement uh, industry has always been. Uh, I, I I i used the term in a column a few weeks ago. Red Queen's race. You know, uh, you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same place because every time you build a new piece of test equipment or a new uh, simulation tool the tech gets better and the lines on the ruler have to get closer together.
3: Yes, that's certainly true. I mean, we've seen that the the simulation models that people are building now are uh, are much more detailed that they've got many, many more parts in them. They're looking at, at time-dependent behavior, not just steady state. Uh, it, you know, the, the parameters that have to be looked at um, have become uh, much more uh, complex and, and many, many more of them than, than they used to be. And, of course, the equipment, be it test equipment or simulation software, such as Six Sigma ET that, that we produce, um, has evolved to allow these things to be, to be done easily.
1: Well, I mean it has been an evolutionary process anyway. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 6 Sigma ET's been around for like a decade, hasn't it?
3: So, we're we're celebrating a, a 10th anniversary uh this year. So, we Oh, exactly we've 10. Yeah. So, it's exactly 10. We we <laughs> launched in uh March uh 2009 at the Semitherm uh conference in in San Jose. Um, And we celebrated this year with a a 10th birthday cake um, at the same conference.
1: Well, I would imagine, uh, Chris, that the product that was issued 10 years ago is a little different from the product that's available
3: today. It's a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, the the basic physics, the basic functionality, I mean, we're simulating uh, electronics, so at an early design stage, people build a computer model um, of the electronics. Uh, the model then works out or the software works out how hot the devices are going to be, and the designers can experiment with methods to make the thing cooler uh, or you know different designs, different options that, that that they might have that functionality has has been the same throughout. But the way that people build the models has changed. The power, just, just having computers now that are 10 years younger than the ones we had 10 years ago, there is so much more compute power available. Uh, things like the cloud uh, that make uh, access to uh, High-performance computing systems, very readily available, both easy to use and cost-effective, is, is quite amazing. So what people can do now is quite different from what was available 10 years ago.
1: Well, and then when you, when you think
3: about that, uh, Chris, as well, it's almost –
1: A circular demand process because we're pushing all this power out to the edge. The devices have to be smaller, yet they have to be more powerful. It almost demands thermal simulation because power management is thermal
3: management. It's interesting that that has been very much the the case in in recent years, that, that, as you say, power management is thermal management. I mean, if if you look at your your tablet or your mobile phone, it cannot operate in a steady state. Uh, I mean, at at one level, the battery runs out, but uh, at... Many operations, if it continued running at full power for any significant amount of time, the device would overheat. So the mobile phone, the tablets that people are using are constantly monitoring temperatures at various parts throughout the system and adjusting the power usage and trying to do that very intelligently so that the user experience that they're, they're looking at, you know, if you're watching a video or, or playing a game, Obviously, mm-hmm. that experience has to remain uh, perfectly acceptable you know if, if your video stops or your game stutters you know, 're not going to be very happy with with that device, but you know if running that and everything else that 's going on in the background of the phone causes it to overheat you 're equally unhappy, so they have to have very clever, intelligent power management run off. Uh, a response to the temperatures in the in the device, so it 's become much more complex it's it 's a very time dependent uh, system that that they 're looking at rather than just running a simple steady state so it's it 's what 's going on how can they react to the the temperatures that the system's reporting that all comes down to as you say power management right now um
1: correct me if uh i 'm a little bit in the wrong direction here, but would you also use uh, thermal simulation for the user experience? Um, you know, you hear a lot about people complaining about discomfort with cell phones that are hot in weird spots and things along those lines. Uh, could advanced thermal simulation also be used to address uh, user comfort issues?
3: Yes, I mean one of the things that we can can give you in in the simulation is a, a temperature map of the outside of the, of the device. Uh, and so you can see if there are, are hot spots or if it's generally getting uh, too hot. Um, and that's one of the nice things about uh, a simulation compared to measurements in some cases. Because quite often with a, with a measurement or an experimental setup, you're going to get temperatures at three, four, five, 4, may, 5, know, maybe 10 spots on the surface, but we can give you mm-hmm. a temperature distribution everywhere, um, and that way you can see where the hot spots might be. So at one point, the simulation can drive the experiments. You know, you need to go measure there to see if that's Acceptable or not, um, because there are always some approximations and, and assumptions that have been made in the in the simulation that, that ultimately you still have to check out with with measurement data, so we can guide the the measurements uh, to point out where there might be hot spots to check, but we will give the whole uh, map. Uh, of temperatures on on the surface, which of course uh, will allow someone to evaluate you know are there any potential problems? Is it uncomfortable? Is it dangerous i mean hopefully it 's not that hot uh, but yeah, it can be uncomfortable i mean it is one of those truisms that you should never use your laptop on your lap you know, it, it, they 're not designed to to you know be. Uh, cooled by by legs and and clothing, they normally need a, a certain amount of air, air underneath to, to to keep them going. Yeah.
1: So now, um, Chris, we're, we're, we don't have that much time. But before I, before I let you go, I want, I want I did want to ask you: Were there any application spaces that you found particularly interesting or surprising? Like either a, wow, I didn't realize they needed thermal simulation for this application, or b. Uh, I'm just impressed with the scope of the uh, thermal measurements that need to be taken in this application.
3: Uh, Gosh, that's a hard one. We've covered so many uh, different applications from, uh, I mean, people have looked at at control electronics up the towers of wind turbines, um, which I, I... I was very surprised at, um, and was quite a challenge because they said this is this is in a tower; it's thirty meters high. we um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. weren't having we weren't having to handle the actual turbine part of it, but the electronics within a, a slim cylindrical tower um, was was quite amazing. So, there's been um, a number of very strange sized models uh, like that that surprised me. The complexity of the of the the phones uh, and and tablets, as I, as I've already mentioned. I mean, I was aware that you know phones and tablets aren't aren't simple things to 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 do. But when you actually get into the the things that people are having to do to make them work, it it is quite impressive this this very small little block that everyone takes for granted and carries around is is quite a technological marvel in 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 my eyes the fact that it can do half the things that it can do is is pretty amazing and 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 the fact that that you have to think of it as a a dynamic device when it when it's working is is Quite uh, an impressive feat to, to 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 make them work as well as they do.
1: Well, and I agree with you completely, Chris. And well, and you need you need advanced tools to make advanced products, right?
3: Yes, indeed. I mean, you to, to to have something that has that much advanced functionality, you have to understand what it's doing and how it's doing it, and and to do that, you you need. Um, advanced tools in 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 simulation in 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 my area but also in in being able to to validate and verify what what 's going on to to i so say the the engineer really has to understand that device to 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 make it function and that that is is quite an impressive skill
1: well i, I agree completely you really no precision without feedback but um before I let you go, do you have any final words for our audience? Comments, or you could even say something about yourself. After all, after all, it is uh, people and products.
3: Okay. Well, I, I've, as, as as we've said, I've celebrated ten years um, with Future Facilities and and the Six Sigma ET uh, product. I've been doing simulation, uh, computational fluid dynamics, for, for nearly forty years, and so I've seen quite a, a huge change in in what's possible um, now. I, I actually found some uh, of my old papers, my academic papers from the, the early 80s, where we're talking about doing models with uh, a, a few hundred, maybe a thousand grid cells. So we break the model up into a thousand pieces. We're now doing a hundred million uh, grid cells. So the, the, the models are... are hugely more, more, more complex. And we've also gone from uh, very simplified, obviously, to, 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 to be able to characterize something in that, that small number of grid cells, to very complex. We're using uh, mechanical CAD much more uh, to drive thermal simulation. So thermal simulation used to sort of live in a little bit of isolation, but now it's connected to other parts. We you know, we, we import data from the electronic designs, we import data from the mechanical designs and use it directly in the software so that that the, the detail that is necessary can actually be brought in quite easily. And that's that's a very big change. Some of my early models, I remember having drawings and, and manually is, you know, scribing a uh, computational mesh onto the drawing and working out various parts of it by hand and typing those numbers into a software program. Now you just import the CAD and and the software does almost everything for you. So <laughs> at one level, at one level, it's a little bit scary because cause you can do things in the old days. In the old days, you had to know everything you were doing because you were making assumptions and approximations about every stage of the process. Now you can just import stuff blind, almost, uh, and, and you don't necessarily know what's there. So sometimes it's a little bit scary uh, doing it that way. Uh, you, you know, you can make the computer think for you instead of thinking for yourself, and and you know, engineers are still the best designers. You know, we, we still work uh, a, a lot better mentally, you know, do a few simulations, understand what's going on. The optimization and the processing and the, the fixing of, 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 of issues, the troubleshooting, is done so much faster by a, a person than it is by a computer. I mean, a lot of people want to try and automate the whole of the numerical um, process but that generally requires huge computing uh, resources, which which the human brain contains <laughs> you know, uh,
1: so easily. A lot of resources, yeah, exactly. Yeah, although Christopher, you, you could look at it as as empowering as well, because let's say I'm a mechanical engineer and I want to create a next generation device that's electromechanical. I would have to borrow some IP from someone if if not a human partner at least an intelligent piece of design software.
3: Well the nice thing is that 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 you know doing what ifs you know what if I do this what if it looks like that what if this happens those are very easy with the simulation software and now we do have the power to run through lots of different variations. Um, I mean, I've 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 heard of people looking at the 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 power profiling, uh, the the power control. They they want to run a thousand different scenarios through the the system to see that everything works for for all these different ones. And yes, that would not be possible, and would be very hard for uh, a, a human to 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 process in a. A reasonable time. You just can't comprehend the the number of different uh, aspects that need to be controlled. So yes, there is something to be to be said for for fully automating uh, part of the process. But I I still very strongly believe that the the, the human intervention of of understanding what's going in and how the the, the, the system reacts. Um, is is very valuable and and that 's some of the insight that simulation gives you, it, it, you know, by giving you uh, temperatures everywhere or airflow in a in a more larger more complex system you can begin to understand what 's going on and then the engineer can use that knowledge to advance his design to to innovate uh, in a in a new direction and I think that will happen much more so um, as as people look at what, what they can do, um, but it will be the people that drive it rather than the the, the the machines and the AI. I know AI is very powerful and it will do lots of wonderful things, but I, 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 I can't believe that an AI system will design us the next mobile phone.
1: I agree with you completely, Chris. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, well, it's like a ruler. Unless you know where to draw the line, it could be the best ruler on the planet. If you don't know where to put the line, it's not going to help you.
3: Exactly. It, it it's where the engineer becomes an artist, as as well mm-hmm. as uh, the sort of technical person.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, hey Chris. Unfortunately, we we uh, have run out of time, but I want to thank you so much for having taken the time to be on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the effort.
3: No problem. It's been a pleasure, and I I hope it's been interesting.
1: Oh, it has been for me. I'm. I trust it has been as well for the audience. Thanks a lot, and uh, I want to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to listen
2: as well. Another very interesting uh, interview there. Um, it's uh, clear that we were more on the. Uh thermal uh, simulation and management side of the world than the Six Sigma side, uh, (laughs) uh, like we were talking about before. Um, But anyway, what do you say we head over to the news desk, Laura?
0: Yes, I want to switch gears here and talk about STMicro and what they have going on. They are enhancing their STM32G4 micro control units uh, for new discovery kits and firmware.
2: Yeah, so uh, these new STM32G4MCUs are now part of the very popular uh, ST uh, Discovery ecosystem, which is one of the most um, prominent uh, development kit uh, platforms, I guess you could say, out there for embedded I- and IoT engineers. But the STM32G4 in particular um, is a line of MCUs that are really uh, focused on uh, motor control, motor driving, um, and power. So uh, there's a integrated buck boost conver- uh, converter um, on board. Uh, there are resistive load capabilities. Um, also, there are uh, There is an electronic speed control for three-phase BLDC and PMSM motors um, that operate up to 40 amps. So really, if you're doing anything in the uh, motor control arena, you should probably take a look at these. And maybe one of these days we'll find it on DevKit Weekly.
0: They also have an electrical and thermal protection feature um that interlocks the high side and low side drivers and supports uh the motor sensors and three curring sensing.
2: So. yeah yeah, so definitely a lot here geared towards um obviously power um and uh driving motors so um like I said, if this is up your alley, take a look uh the kit costs fifty nine bucks
0: very cool. Um now I want to talk about uh GSMA and uh 5GAA, which is a 5G Automotive Association. Um they are agreeing to increase their connected cars and uh keep their roads safer. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, so
2: it looks like uh, this agreement is bringing together the two organizations around 5.9 gigahertz spectrum. So we know that there's a lot that's been going on out in the automotive space around what type of wireless is going to be used for V2X applications. You know, is this going to be an LTE slash 5G thing? Are we going to use DSRC and 802.11p? Here, it looks like... uh, with the CV2X uh, uh, technology that's coming out of uh, GSMA and 5G, we're going to be targeting the 5.9 gigahertz band, um, and that is what will be used to have cars communicate with each other and the roadside.
0: Hey, you got to keep up. 5G is just around the corner, so I'm glad they're taking that initiative.
2: So they say. They <laughs> yeah. say
0: forever. <laughs> And uh, lastly, I want to talk about HCC Embedded. Um, They have released their Safex FAT file system Mm -hmm. for the fail-safe data storage.
2: Yeah, so uh, the Safex FAT uh, file system um, is something that HCC has been sort of alluding to in conversations I've been having with them for a while now, Um, but it's just another example of HCC who's uh, Probably, if you if you think about a truly embedded development company and, and a company that's really focused on you know critical, uh, reliable deterministic software, uh, that's HEC Embedded, and so it, it would stand to reason that they would introduce uh, SafeX that um, to really help people um, their designers with their data retention and uh, reliability.
0: Sounds good. And uh, right now on our site, we have a lot of coverage on the automotive industry and what's going on there. So uh, if you'd like to read a little bit more about it, of course, you can visit our website at www.embedded-computing.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in.
2: See you next week.